Awesome. I was going to ask if y'all were excited to be here, but it seems like you guys are excited to be here. So I'm glad. You guys excited to hear from God? Yeah. Me too. Okay. A show of hands, who has ever helped someone move? Oh, that is like everyone. That's most everyone. Okay. Uh, having been a part of Chi Alpha for going on 13 years now, that's a long time. Um, you can guess how old I am. Um, so almost 13 years, I have helped a lot of people move. Uh, more, not more than I can count, but more than I care to remember, okay? Um, and so, look, I, I just want to hear from you guys. I need y'all to chatter with me, okay? What is, like, the worst thing that you've ever had to, like, like help move, like furniture? A Jaguar? Like a car? Like an animal? You didn't move a Jaguar. Like what? A piece of furniture. That's not a piece of furniture. What? Like what's some? What's some like horrible? Huh? Couch? A printer? Did someone say a printer? A refrigerator. I was like maybe an industrial printer. <laughs> a piano. A palm tree? Oh, a fake palm tree. Like a big, like a twenty foot one. What? Why? You got to tell me that story later. Okay. Brandon and I have the same worst object to move, and that is a piano. I, guys, I hate moving pianos, okay? And for some reason, God thinks it's funny, and I have had to move like six or seven pianos in my life, which is way more than anyone should want. And I'm, I got to give a shout out. The award for most pianos move goes to our very own Charles and Katie because they love to move. Uh, not anymore, not anymore. They did. There was like a, like a three-year period where it was like, all right, we're moving again. And I was like, oh, I have to move this piano. Um, and like, yo, it's a sick piano. Like, it, it looks great in their house. Like, Katie, when she plays it, it sounds great. But the worst part about it is when you go to move it, there's like nowhere to grab, and there's only two handles on it, except one of the handles is missing. So it's like, what the heck? And so every time we've moved it, I've helped, and I'm sure the next time they move, I will probably help move it again, right? Um, I had to move someone from our church. We, we moved their piano, and then even last semester, my boys Luke and Charlie and Gabe bought a piano for $60, okay? <laughs> At first, I was like, guys, it's probably rotted, but, you know, hey, they got it for 60 bucks, and we went, and we bought it. Well, they bought it. We used my truck. We took it back to Morgantown, right? It was great, and I am convinced that Either we're all really weak, which I don't think is true. I think I'm weak, but I don't think Luke is weak. We, he told us he benched 330, so uh, Gabe looks pretty strong. Um, Charlie, <laughs> Charlie, Charlie, you're strong. You're, you are. You are. Uh, look, either we're all weak or, like, it really does just take four people to move a piano. Like, they're just horrible, right? They're so heavy. They're so clunky. Morgantown has hills. It's the worst, okay? And, and I, I just simply, you could not convince me that it is possible to move a piano by yourself, okay? Like, like getting it up on the truck, like every bit of it, okay? You're not convincing me that you can do it by yourself. And if you go, oh, I could just hire people, well, they had to do it together, right? And so, to move, right, you guys said palm trees, uh, couches, especially those, like, giant L-shaped couches, like, horrible, okay? I don't, they're great in your house, and then you have to move them. Beds, box springs, like, those are horrible, right? So all of these things, guys, like, 
to, to do something as simple as moving a friend, we have to do it together, right? Like there are, sh sure, you can carry lamps and printers and different things like that, but, but these big things, we really do need each other. And so what I'm talking about tonight, what I, what I want to submit to you is that while something as small as like moving a friend, right, really does require us needing each other, that is just a, a small, in a small way, a reflection of our really deep need for each other to walk with Jesus and to do what he's asked us, right? So I'm not moving this piano by myself. I, I need people. And that is just a small picture of really, look, if I'm going to walk with Jesus, if we are going to accomplish the mission of God, the, the same mission that Charles talked about a few weeks ago, we're going to have to do it together. We're going to need each other, right? We need each other. We need friends. We need to be in community. We need us, right? That, that, that just, you know, us. We need, we need each other. And so I'm going to keep saying that tonight. I hope by the end of it you're like, yes, Sean, I get it. We need each other. Like, that's the, that's the point. I want you to get that. So, man, nowhere is this true more true than right now as well, right? You guys are 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. Your lives are being formed. Jesus is doing something incredible in your hearts. And if we're going to keep walking with him, wherever we go, we really do need each other. And so it's not good that we be alone. We're shaped, we're molded, we're formed into the men of God God wants us to be. And we do that together. So this is what we're talking about tonight, needing each other, right? And so we're going we're gonna to look at an example from the Bible. Don't put it up yet. This is a cool story. I, I was reading it like, did you put it up? And then you go, okay. I was like, Abby. Abby's on fire today with the, with the funnies. It is. We, we, we have like a quote list, and she's had like six added to it in one day. So um, we're going to be looking at the Bible. We're going to read from the, from the Old Testament and the book of Exodus. But before we read the specific passage, I want to give context. So the Israelites, they're God's chosen people, right? God had chosen Abraham. It's been a few hundred years, and what ended up happening is Israel had, the, the small group of people had gone to Egypt. They had grown to this massive, you know, two million plus people group, but they, but they didn't have their own land. They were actually slaves in the land of, excuse me, in the land of Egypt, right? And so God says, you are my people. I've given you this promised land, and I'm going to set you free. And so that's the whole book of Exodus. It, Exodus means like a leaving, right? And so God sets them free, and then they have this miraculous story. You've probably heard of the, of the, the Red Sea being parted and the people walking through, right? And then they, they finally come across free of their slave masters, free of their tyranny, free of their hopelessness, and, and they're free people now. And so what ends up happening, though, is that it's not like a waltz in the park. It's not like they just get to go like, all right, cool, like, bye, you know, like, that's it. Like, they, they actually, God is saying, hey, now that you're free, there's steps forward that you're going to have to do. And one of the things that they're going to have to do is they're going to have to fight some nations that are in the promised land. Now, we could get into this. This is a whole other thing. But essentially, these people were so wicked, so perverse, so far gone that that when God says, hey, you're going to take these nations out, you're going to go to war with them, it's not just like, ugh, like, you guys, get out. We want this. But it really was, these are so wicked on the earth that God is saying, hey, we want you out. And so they go, and this is crazy. All right, this is where our passage picks up, right? They won their freedom, but they have to go into their very first battle 
as a nation. And so this is where we read Exodus 17, 8 through 13. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they, Aaron and and Hur, took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up Moses' hands, one on the one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. This is a crazy story, right? Like you've got, you've got the prophet of God who's leading his people. He's told, hey, go stand up on the hill behind the army and just hold up your hands. The staff of God, right? Hold it up and you'll win. And it's like, I mean, I imagine Moses is probably like, Okay, you've done some really cool things, God. I guess I'll trust you, but this doesn't make sense, right? And then his hands fall. And then what we're talking about tonight, needing each other, his buddies, his brother and his friend come up and lift up his arms so that, they, that, that all of Israel can be successful, so that they can win. And what do they do? They win. They win their first battle as a nation, and they have each other and the Lord to thank. And so as I was reading the story and asking God, like, what, okay, this, I was inspired when I read this, but what is it that you want to say for us tonight? I felt like the Lord gave three things, right, three realities to take from this. So in regards to needing each other, this is what, we, what, what, we, what these three realities are, who we need, what we need, and why we need. So let's start first with who we need. Okay, so with our passage, who are the people that needed each other, right? Like, like who are the active parties in this story? You can just kind of shout it out. Who are some of the people? Moses, Aaron, Hur, Joshua. Yes, technically. I guess they didn't, they probably didn't want those guys needing each other. <laughs> so you've also got the army of Israel, and you've got God. Okay, so there's actually six independent people or I guess you with the army would be a group, that are in need of each other to accomplish this victory, okay? And so what, what this means is, or what, here's what I mean by this. Okay, so they really didn't need each other. So Moses, he could have just held up his hands all day long, right? But if God wasn't a part of it, he would have just looked like an idiot, right? And then Moses, he's a man like you and me. Like, I... I don't understand why, but like sometimes you carry just something that's like five pounds and you kind of carry it like this. And then like five minutes later, you're like, man, my arm hurts. Like I'm weak, you know, and, or it's just, and it's not necessarily because you're weak, but it's just like an awkward way, right? So like, I mean, just holding your arms up for a while, it just, it's an awkward thing. And so Moses, he couldn't do this. He needed Aaron and her. And then Aaron and her, they needed Moses because they weren't the one that was called to hold up the staff, right? Like, they were totally and utterly dependent on God, on Moses, and then all three of those guys up on the hill, well, heck, man, if Joshua and the army aren't down there, like, you can hold up a staff all you want, nothing's happening, right? Like, each of these guys really did need each other. Each man, the prophet, the supporters, the commander, the soldier, more than anything, they needed the power and the presence and the nearness of God to win this battle. And they did. 
And one of my favorite things about this story is that each of these guys really didn't, like, I know I'm saying this over and over, but I, w- I want you to understand they really didn't need each other. And, and they didn't need carbon copies of Moses. They didn't just need a bunch of Moseses, okay? H- who was Moses? Moses was the leader. He was the prophet. He was the mouthpiece and the announcer of God. He was bold and fearless, patient and humble, courageous. He was intense. He was the man God trusted to lead. Aaron and her, on the other hand, they were your second-in-command type of guys, right? They, they, were, they were armor bearers. They, they, didn't, they were men who didn't necessarily need the spotlight. Um, but instead, they made those in the spotlight better, right? They, they were the guys who said, whatever Moses needs to do what God's asking him, we'll do it. Joshua, he was a man who took ground for God, right? He, he was a man, he was the warrior, the advance guard, the fearless general that everyone in Israel wanted to follow. Like, dude, I want to be in, I want to be on his squad, right? Like, uh, he, he was a man who never sought to rule over others, but instead he won the hearts of men by being the person that people wanted to follow, right? And he was fierce in his devotion to God and fiercer still as a warrior, right? You read his stories, I'm like, if I see Joshua, I'm running the other way, right? Then there's the army of God, the faceless and nameless men. The Bible doesn't record their name, but they are remembered by the Lord, right? I don't know how many countless thousands, hundreds of thousands of them there were, but God knows their names. They were the men who obeyed without recognition, served without applause, and loved God and listened to him because they believed he was worth fighting for. And each of these men needed each other. They really did need each other. And the same is true for us. Each of us needs each other. Some of you in this room are like Moses. You're natural-born leaders. You're bold. People, people listen to you. You talk a lot, right? Like, and you have good stuff to say. And you hear from God. We need that. Others of you are like Aaron and her. You're faithful and supportive, and everyone around you is made better because of you. You don't need the spotlight, but man, we're better for you. We need you. Others of you are like Joshua. You fight fiercely and relentlessly for the things of God. You have strong convictions. You don't take no for an answer. And everyone around you is inspired to care about the things of God. We need you. Others still are like the army of God. You're obedient and faithful to God. And maybe people don't know your name. There's, there's a few who do that really do love you and know you. But at the end of the day, you say, you know what? I know God is proud of me and loves me, and that's good enough. We need you. We need each other. We, we are different, and that is what we need, right? And so nowhere is this more real in my own life than when I think about our staff. So we have a staff of people who, who work full-time to do this. And, man, look, like, we need Charles's single-minded, like, single-mindedness in mission and his strong convictions and his, like, dude, we're doing this. Like, we need that. We need Katie's tender and compassionate spirit. We need her hospitality where it's like, I don't really care if I'm in her house or in this room. Like, I feel like I'm welcomed, right? We need Heather. She's not here, but we need Heather's gift for listening. Like, she has great wisdom because she actually listens to what you're saying before she says anything, right? We need that. We need Christopher's thoroughness and thought, word, and deed, and and his willingness to challenge things to make them better. We need Grace's charm, her humor, and, and just the way that she literally makes every, everything that she's part of better, right? We need 
Timmy's logically minded approach to ministry. We need his thoroughness. We need his care for the lost. We need Tommy's goofiness and his ability to make everyone not take themselves so seriously. Like, we need him to be able to laugh with each other and with ourselves. We need Abby's thoughtfulness and her care for the things that I don't often think about, right? A lot of times the, the, the overlooked, Abby really brings that up, and we need that. And we need Kenzie's honesty. We need her a willingness to ask questions that may seem dumb but really are honest and genuine and make us better. We need each other. My friends, we need each other. Guys, we don't need 11 or 10 Charleses. That would be too many. <laughs> we don't need 11 Katies. We don't need 11 or 10 Shawns. There's 10 of us. I don't know why I keep saying 11. Rip Glenna. Rest <laughs> in peace. That was why I keep thinking 11. She's still alive. She is. You're right. <laughs> I think sometimes she wants to be dead with her classes. Um, we guys, we really do need each other, right? So we need each other. This is true in my own life, and I, and I really hope you guys believe that's true in your own life. So we looked first at who we need, right? We need each other to be different. But now let's look at what we need. Put simply, what we need for each other, sorry, what we need each other for is we need each other to accomplish this great mission that Jesus has given us. Like I said, Charles talked about this a few weeks ago. If you missed that, I mean, you got to go back and listen, right? The mission God has given us to make disciples wherever we're at with the ultimate goal of making disciples of the world. We're not doing that alone. We need each other. Wherever we're at, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus. And wherever we're at, we're going to need each other. And right now, we're here. And so right now, we need the people in this room. Our mission is so big. It's so audacious. It's so insurmountably grand that, I mean, it's sometimes like, why even try? I, I don't know what to do. But when we have our brothers and our sisters standing shoulder to shoulder, we go, okay, We've got this mission. We need each other. We can do this. For Moses and his gang, the mission was simple. Take down an army more trained, more skilled, more experienced, and more fortified than them. And guys, these weren't, they weren't like a grand army themselves. They were ex-slaves. They'd been slaves for 400 years. None of these guys had battle experience. And, and they have to go and take this army. They have a mission far bigger than themselves. And they understood, man, we need each other to do this. Each man understood this. Moses understood that he had a part to play in defeating the army. His part was to raise the staff. Aaron and Hur understood that their part to play in defeating the army was to hold up Aaron's or Moses' arms. Joshua understood that his part to play was to actually lead his men in the fight. He couldn't fight them alone, right? And the army understood that their part to play was to obey and trust their leaders and their Lord. And most of all, God himself put himself in a place where he said, hey, I want you guys to be a part of this, and I'm not going to do this without you. Right? God wanted them to be part, and they saw a miracle. Each of these men understood what I hope we understand tonight, that we really do need each other to do what God has called us to do. And if our mission never changes, which I believe is true, then the mission to be a disciple maker wherever you go is always going to be before us and we're always going to need brothers and sisters who are fighting with us to see this mission done. In fact, when I look at the Bible, for as long as I've read the Bible now, I've never found anywhere where God commands 
anyone who's doing what he's saying to do it alone. I don't even really see stories where people do it alone, right? Um, there are seasons, sure, where, where a man of God or a woman of God is called to solitude, to, to be alone with God, but never for their lives and never to accomplish this mission. And so I think about some of the Old Testament prophets, like there's Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, like his whole country ostracized and hated him for 40 years. You'd think he was alone, but he had his friend Baruch. Or there's Elijah, right? Like hated and hunted by evil kings and queens. You'd think, I mean, he barely slept in one place for longer than a couple nights. You'd think he was alone, but no, he had Elisha. Or in the New Testament, you have Paul, right? Paul, who goes anywhere where the gospel needs him. He's always taking Luke and Timothy and Demas and, and Barnabas and all these different guys with him everywhere he's going. Even Jesus wasn't alone. Sure, he had times where he went to be with his father, but he had his 12 brothers that he did this with, and he changed the world with them. You see, in order to accomplish this mission of God, we have to do it together. In the kingdom of God, there are no lone wolves, okay? Like, we need to get this dumb idea out of our head. I hear people say it. I hear people think it. It is stupid. It's not even a good analogy. Guys, wolves live in packs. Wolves don't go alone. If a wolf is alone, it's usually one of two things. It's injured or, what's the other thing? Oh, or it's lost, <laughs> okay? It's injured or it's lost. And the same is true of us. Like, right, if a wolf is being true to its nature, it's with its pack. And the same is true for us. I mean, if we're doing this alone, it's probably because we're injured and there's something wrong or, or we're lost. But if we're being true to how God made us, then we'll be together. Who we need, what we need. Now we look at why we need, right? Why do we need each other? Why do we need each other? We need each other not only to accomplish God's mission for us, but maybe more importantly, and I, and I say this because I think this is God's ultimate hope for us, is so that we would look like Jesus. Okay? And what's cool is when you look like Jesus, then you, you care about the mission and you partake in the mission, right? But, I, but the Bible says in Romans 8, 29, that God's greatest desire for us is to be conformed to the image of his Son, God's ultimate dreams and hopes and desires for your life, for you and for me, is that we would be made like Jesus, that we would look and act and talk and walk like Jesus, that we would be mature and godly and holy like Jesus. And there's this interesting illustration that the Bible uses multiple times of, of our hearts being like uh, clay, like like a moldable clay. So if you know anything about clay, and has anyone ever done pottery before, like on a wheel, right? So the clay, it's it's kind of wet, it's supple, it's moldable, right? And so what's really beautiful, what God, why God uses this imagery is because he's actually, what he's doing is he's forming our hearts into this image, if we will let him, right? And so what he does is he takes kind of those gritty, hard bits, and, he, and he, he cuts them away, and he takes them out to make him, us more like Jesus. And then he takes the, the rough and the uneven parts, and he smooths them out so we look more like Jesus. So that's why when we come together, look, like, when you're here, my hope, Charles's hope, anyone who's speaking hope is that you would leave this room with your heart just a little bit more shaped like Jesus, and that your small group leader, when you leave small group on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or whatever night, that you would leave with your heart a little bit more shaped like Jesus. 
That is God's hope, and that is why we need each other. God loves to use us, each other, to make us more like him. Moses needed Aaron and her and Joshua and the army just as much as Joshua needed, just as much as the army needed, just as much as any combination you could, you could make of those guys. They needed each other. And what's so cool is that because these guys trusted each other, because Moses was on the, or, uh, Joshua was on the battlefield and Moses was in the rear guard and he said, Moses, I trust you. Aaron, her, I trust you. He was made a more godly man. Because all these guys said, God, we will trust you in our friendship. They were made more godly men. Now, sure, each of these guys went on, made some, some mistakes after this, but it can easily be seen that, seen that these four guys were some of the godliest men in all of Israel. In fact, I, this was like, I literally saw this yesterday, and it blew my mind. Moses and Joshua are the only two people God ever chose, God himself ever chose to lead his people of his own free will. Or, oh, oh, not free will, of his own fully free choice. So you've got the kings in the Bible, but they were only chosen by God, David and Saul, after Israel demanded a king. God never wanted them to have a king. They demanded, so God says, okay, here. But Moses and Joshua, God handpicks them and says, I want you to do this. They were godly men. And, and so much, especially Moses was picked before, but Joshua, man, you couldn't trace every single thing back to this fight, but man, I bet you could see the, the way that these guys trusted God. They go there. I mean, I can't imagine going to my, like, if all of us just tomorrow, it was like, all right, we're going to war with FSU. We'd win, but uh, they're tiny. We're going to war against Pitt. Yeah, take that, Pitt. Take that, Jordan. Guys, the same is true for us. If we're going to be conformed to the image of Jesus, we need each other. If we're going to be godly and holy men and women of God, we need each other for that. Um, I think from my own life, I have, uh, I'm going to give you my, my era's tour, okay? There you go, Abby. Uh, I'm going to give you my high school era, my college era, and then my WVU era um, of, of really the people that I needed that really shaped me to the, ma to the man I am today. And so this is high school pictures um, the first one. So on the left, you can see me up in the left corner. I look very young. Um, this is, uh, this was the, the core group of the guys that I hung out with. On the right, this is actually like two weekends ago. My friend Jonathan got married, and I flew back and got to see all these guys again. We kind of recreated this picture. That's our teacher in the middle. She is not a student. Um, <laughs> she looks older. She is not a, a high school student. Now, what, why these guys were, were really such a formative, um, group to me is because, look, I, people in middle, like elementary school, like no one's really insecure about their friendships in elementary school. You're just like, eh, recess, you know, and, but then middle school is like the worst thing in the world for most people, right? Like, um, unless you get homeschooled, then it may not be that bad. Um, middle school, like not, not trying to be a sob story, middle school was horrible for me. I wasn't bullied. I just like, I didn't have friends. I didn't belong. I didn't have anyone that was like my guy my friend, like, I just kind of existed, didn't have any sports I played, I was in choir, I was horrible at it, um, and that kind of actually continued even into my, like, all of my freshman year, and, and then the first half of my sophomore year, until I got connected with these guys, and so really the only one that I knew in that group was my friend Jonathan, the one that got married, um, he had been friends with all these guys, and the reason why 
these guys were such a big deal. None of us loved Jesus. Actually, one guy loved Jesus. Leo, the, the black guy here in the front. He was the only one that loved Jesus. None of us loved Jesus. But man, Jesus used these guys to show me what it is like to, to, to implant in my heart a care and, and, a, and a love and, a, and a, the, the ability to see people who really don't feel like they belong, who maybe they're in a crowd and they're there, but they're not welcomed. Or if they are, right, like sometimes people, oh, I'll join this group, but I kind of have to be like you. And these guys never forced me to, to be like them. Like they let me be a goofball. They let me be loud. They let me be obnoxious. Yeah, they made fun of me and I made fun of them, but like these guys really did form in me a compassion and a care and, and I really just love people and don't force them to be something they aren't. Jump into my uh, college era. This is uh, on the left. That was me as a freshman. I couldn't tell you why I'm making that face. It's horrible. I, I genuinely, dude, I found like four or five pictures and in all of them I'm making that face. I hate it. Uh, on the right, that was my wedding day. Um, my brother and Jonathan are there and all the rest of the guys were guys that um, I met at Sam Houston as a college student. Um, so one of the guys, the guy in the green shirt over here, that was my smog group leader. His name is John. He is a chemistry nerd. Um, any of you guys taking O-chem and P-chem, I'm sorry. He told me all about how horrible it was for him. Um, John, man, the, the way these guys formed me, John, my smog group leader, he was the first guy that I, I really knew, loved me, and cared about me, and, and wouldn't condemn me, and was, like, trustworthy enough to actually confess to. And so I had, like, given my life to the Lord, but then I started dating this dumb girl, started doing dumb stuff, and I knew that I was wrong. But I didn't, like, I didn't feel there was anyone outside of John that I was like, this guy loves me enough that when I share with him, he's not going to push me away. He's actually going to draw me closer to Jesus. And he did. I still remember where it was. It was like the, on a, like a, it was like a preschool room. I was like sitting on one of those t tiny little chairs in the back of the church at a, at a Chi Alpha event. And I said, hey man, I need, I need you. To, and, and he showed me what that looked like. Or Trevor, the guy on the left in the gray, that's one of my best friends. Um, we used to hate each other a lot. Uh, we were in small group together. I, Look, I, I don't understand. We've, like, yelled at each other. We've cussed each other out. One time we wrestled, and he smashed my face in the ground, and I, like, was bleeding everywhere. Um, I was going to be, like, the leader of our small group leaders. My, my leader had asked me and not him, and so he came up to me and said, I can't stand you. I hate that I have to be in your group. I don't want to be your friend, and, like, just ripped into me, and I was just like, well, I thought we were friends, you know, and <laughs> Marley. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Yes, that was a bad time to drink water. But what was so cool, and, and why, why Trevor really is one of my closest friends, is because he had said this all out of bitterness and anger. I was a turd. And I actually, maybe for the first time, really understood what it meant to forgive someone when it wasn't fair. What it looked like to, to, to have a friend who came from a, back, like a background that was so utterly foreign to me. Like Trevor and I's growing up stories are as diametrically different as you can get. And I saw in my friend Trevor 
that God loves to take broken and horrible situations and make them beautiful. Trevor has actually started a Chi Alpha down at uh, Arizona State University. He just moved there like a month ago. And Jesus has so radically changed his life and so radically changed my life through him. I can tell you about uh, the guys over here, you, uh, the three black guys. They're kind of hard to see. The picture's a little dim. Um, Paul, Alan, and Kay. I, I'm just being honest. Paul, Alan, and Kay, they were my roommates. Man, these guys, I learned patience. I learned what it meant to be patient, to serve without any recognition. Um, if you want to ask me later, I will not say it from the front. Our apartment had a name. I hate it. Um, you can ask me about it later, right? I could tell you about um, Drew. He's like the tallest guy in the back, like craziest salvation story I've ever heard is from him. Um, I could tell you about Zach or Jordan or Daniel, like all of these guys, the way that they formed me to be the man I am today. And then I come now to my WVU era. Here's some pictures. Uh, some of you guys are in these pictures. The guys, the guys on the left, you can't see it, but all of us had these horrible mustaches. We did mustaches for missions. Um, some of these guys, man, like Nate Sign, like still a great friend of mine, like really did. Um, I got to see a type of, of friendship that I chose not to really be a part of at many times in my college, like college time. I saw him have that and got to be a part of that. And God really changed something in how I viewed friendship by my friend Nate, right? Or over here, you've got these guys, Matt, Kinzer, Joel, Jake. I mean, like, you guys are in this room. But, like, for real, you guys have shaped me and changed me. It's not just this, like, oh, I'm older than you, therefore I only make you more like Jesus. Like, no, you guys really do make me more like Jesus. The guys I get to lead, the guys in small group, some of y'all are here, some of y'all aren't. I'm going to find you. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But look, like, the way I grow and become more like Jesus, the questions that you guys ask, like, the, even some of you guys that I didn't mention that are in this picture, like, you're not just in the picture on accident. Like, and maybe I'm not super close to you, Matt, but you really have shaped me. Like, your genuine hunger for God, you're a senior going out, and you're like, I still want to do this. Like, that, that inspires me. That, cha that challenges me. That makes me more like Jesus, right? We really do need each other. So, guys, I, I really want you guys to understand this. I know I just went on a bunch of my eras tour. Abby was happy about that. That's a Taylor Swift reference. Who doesn't know, anyone who doesn't know that. Sorry, I just lost all of y'all's attention on that. Swifty. Okay. Guys, we really do need each other. If we're going to accomplish God's mission, if we're going to look more like Jesus, then we need each other. And so, Moses and Aaron and Hur and Joshua and the army, right, they took down this army because they did it together with each other and with the Lord. So for us, what army do we have to take, right? What army is ours to take? Right now, our assignment is WVU. We're all here. We're not going anywhere else until you graduate, but right now, for this semester, you guys are here. And so that's our mission field. Jesus wants to win WVU students to his kingdom. And if we're going to do that, we've got to do it together. Likewise, in what ways does God want us to be more like him? What God is in, doing in and through your life right now as an 18 to 21-year-old may just be some of the most formative things that he'll ever do in your life. It's not to say he won't keep doing that, but the reason all of us on staff 
love college ministries because we really do think these are some of the most important years of your life. Who you are is so deeply formed during these four years. And so if we're going to really look like Jesus, we need each other. We must remember that from the story, right, that, that, look, this is the main thing. I don't want us to sleep on this, okay? I don't want you to leave and be like, yeah, we just need each other, and we're like only thinking horizontal. The only reason these guys really ultimately won was, yes, they depended on each other and they trusted each other. But it says, what, what did it say that Moses was holding up? The staff of God. The presence of God. And so, guys, if in our needing each other, we, we leave out the Lord, like we've missed the whole picture. Jesus longs and desires to be a part of the, of the each other, of the us, right? And, and if we miss him, I mean, he can do something like he did with my, my, my high school friends. He was forming things in me before I really loved him. But I would say that was more of a, his kindness and an accident on my part than man, God, I want you to be a part of this, and I want you to make me like you, and I want you to help me so that we can do this. The staff of God, we need God at the center of our friendships, at the center of our community, at the center of us. The band, you guys can go ahead and come up. So I want to respond very simply tonight, okay? It's just, it's three things, but they're very simple, all right? The first thing, well, I'll say all three of them. This is the three things. We're going to look back we're going to look forward, and we're going to thank God. The first way I want us to respond is by looking back, okay? And so this is what I mean by this. Who is one person, just one, okay? I'm not asking you to make a whole list, but who is one person that in the past, looking back, God used to shape you, to make you into the man or woman you are? And, and whether you thought about it or not, you go, man, I really needed them. I needed them at that time. Maybe, maybe it's a high school friend. Maybe it's a, a family member. Maybe it's a childhood friend. Ma- I mean, maybe it's someone in this room. Like, if, some, if you needed someone two months ago, like, that's, that's great. Like, go tell them and say, hey. And what I want you to do is I want you to either text someone or call someone or maybe you don't have their, maybe it's been a long time and you need to Facebook message them. Like, somehow, some way, what I'm asking for us to respond tonight is to actually reach out to that person and say, hey, I just wanted to say thank you for, for who you were in my life at this point. And say what it is. Be specific. Hey, it was, you know, this is what you did. And they may just be like, oh, thanks, man. That's, that's, that's really nice. Or they may be like, oh, that's, that. that's awesome. Like, why are you saying this, right? Like, you may get a chance to share what, what Jesus is doing. Maybe it's someone who doesn't love. Like, some of my friends in high school, they still don't love Jesus. I'm going to text them and be like, hey, you guys really did change my life. And I'm so grateful for you. And they may just say thanks. Or they may be like, why are you saying this, right? And I can share what Jesus has done. Also, if you want to do it, like, during response, you can use your phone during response. That's okay, all right? Giving you permission. You can text someone. Um, But do that. Here's my my challenge. Do that before you go to bed tonight, okay? Do that before you go to bed. Text someone, look him back, and say, hey, I needed you, and I'm grateful for you. Looking forward, that's the second thing I want us to do. And what I want us to do with this is actually talk to someone in this room or I'll give you the caveat, if they are not here, but they would normally be here. And I want you to find someone in this room, and, and I want you to say, hey, look, I need you a, a, so that we can do this together. 
so that I can be more like Jesus. And maybe that you don't have to physically go like, Brandon, I need you. But what I mean by this is like, look, maybe, maybe you need someone to just pray for you. Maybe you need, hey, look, I need a word of encouragement. I, I need to, you know, or maybe you need to confess a sin. Like, hey, this is actually going on. Like with John, I needed someone to really confess a sin. Maybe it's just like, hey, I really want to know Jesus better. And I don't know what I'm doing. I need you, right? I, I want to be the friend that you need, and I want to be a friend that, I want you to be a friend that I need, right? Maybe it's like, hey, I give you a bunch of excuses. I've actually been a bad friend. I'm just going to fess up, and we're going to be better friends, right? Like, we're going to do this together. And so I want you, at some point, be like, hey, look, would you pray for me? Would you, would you come beside me? Would you help me, right? Or, hey, I just want, I mean, it could be as simple as like, hey, I just want to commit to be a better friend to you right? And, and I'm going to do that, and I want you to hold me accountable. And then finally, I want us to respond by thanking God. Thank God for the friends who have shaped you. Thank God for the friends you have now, and thank God for the friend that he has been to you, right? Just simply thank you, God. Like, express that with physical words at some point as you respond. Thank you, God, for the friends I have. Thank you, God, for the friends I have had. Thank you, God, for the friend you are to me. And as we do this, and as we understand just how much we really do need each other and how much we really do need God, we're going to be able to walk out and see this mission accomplished. And we're going to be able to walk out looking, acting, talking, walking more like Jesus. So let's respond tonight to what Jesus is saying. Let's respond by looking back, looking forward, and then thanking God.